Hello everyone, I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12.11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. A testimony of your story for His glory. He's a graduate of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, a former collegiate All-American, Olympian, and NBA professional. Growing up in Gray, Georgia, basketball became a, quote, way out and a way up from the troubled childhood he longed to overcome. His God-given talents earned him Georgia State Player of the Year as a high school senior and from there would go on to set records in the ACC and NCAA. As a member of the 1980 U.S. Men's Olympic Basketball Team, my next guest garnered first-round honors and fourth pick in the 1981 NBA Draft selected by the Atlanta Hawks and would go on to play for the Dallas Mavericks, San Diego Clippers, and Seattle Supersonics, scoring an impressive 4,902 points in over 417 games during a 10-year run. Martin Alfonso, fondly known as Al, had it all. Money, fame, family, and a career and life that should have filled the void. So why didn't it? And what happened next? Back with us for part two of my exclusive is NBA great and Georgia Sports Hall of Famer and so much more, Al Wood. Al, welcome back to Testimony. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be back. Well, it's great to have you back. Al, to recap somewhat our last segment, you shared the harsh reality of growing up without a father having a mother in prison, and a grandmother who encouraged you to call on Jesus when times got tough, and they did. You had great success as an NBA professional, but then your world began to fall apart. Can you explain and then take us to the victory you found in Christ and what you are doing now? Al, please tell us more. Well, first of all, I I had really believed that if I uh, had enough money, that problems would go away. And I think a lot of people believe that today. And it was no different for me. When I was coming out of college, I got drafted by the Atlanta Hawks. I was the first senior picked in the draft. And I signed a pretty good contract that first year out. And I was making real good money. But yet and still, from that point on, I was still having some issues in terms of anxiety that most people didn't know about. I was having some uh, issues with just self-confidence at that particular time because for the first time in my life, I was really facing some major adversity because I really wasn't playing a lot, although I was on the team. I started out getting injured. I partially separated my left shoulder, and it was quite depressing to be on the team but not being able to play like I knew I could play, but I wasn't producing at that particular time. And as a result of it, I I went into what I call my little silent world, where I began to uh, drink. I was um, I would begin to uh, smoke marijuana at that particular time. I was just doing a lot of things that were very destructive to my body and to my career at that particular time. So the Atlanta Hawks they ended up trading me to the San Diego Clippers, 
And once I got to the San Diego Clippers, I met up with some old friends of mine that I had had relationships with in the past. And instead of things getting better, things really began to get worse. I uh, ended up on what they call IR, injury reserve. I wasn't playing that much. I became even more depressed. I began to drink even more. But I wasn't telling anybody what was going on within my world. I wasn't telling my family what was happening with me. Uh, there was very few friends that knew what was happening with me personally. It was just a personal uh, battle that was going on within me, and I couldn't seem to overcome it. There was something missing in my heart. There was something missing in my life, but I just could not put my finger on it. And I didn't want everybody to really know me because I, this is what I, I was thinking. If you really get to know me, I don't think you're going to like me. Hmm. And that's a bad, bad thought to have, but that's the thought that I was having. If you really knew who I was, I don't think you're really going to like me. So I pretty much pretended a lot of times. And it got to the point where I played two years in San Diego, and then I got traded to the Seattle Supersonics. And from the Seattle Supersonics, I uh, played three years there. I had some pretty good success there, but I still was not fulfilled. There was something missing, and I could not put my finger on it. And from that point, I got traded to the Dallas Mavericks. After being traded to the Dallas Mavericks, I played only one year, and I had three years remaining on my contract, and the Dallas Mavericks cut me. And so I was out of the NBA at age 29. And at 29, you should be at your physical strength uh, as far as uh, as good as you're really going to get. But yet and still, here I was being cut by the Dallas Mavericks. Mm -hmm. Now, that is very depressing because that is embarrassing it's depressing it's um it, it's just something that you never can imagine if you're a top pick coming out of college and being drafted that high in the nba but i find myself now going to europe to play i play, went to italy and i played in italy for one year and after finishing up in italy for one year i came back to the united states and from that point on when i came back to the united states then my life really became a personal hell because at this time, I wasn't playing basketball. I didn't have no direction in my life, and I really didn't know what I was going to do at that point. Now, you were married at this time. You had a son and a daughter, you said. So not even your family was making you happy. And when we spoke off the record, you were drinking, you were gambling, you fell asleep at the wheel, you could have died. A woman got shot in the back with a bullet and nearly missed you. Obviously, Al, God had his hand on your life but there was a pivotal point that we talked about that really shook your world that I want to get to in our brief time here today your four-year-old son walked in the room and gave you a picture can you describe that and what it did to your world yes uh, one of the things that as a child myself growing up in those early years that I lived with my mother I didn't know what an alcoholic was and I never thought I was an alcoholic, and I never envisioned myself being an alcoholic because I thought alcoholics were the people that were on the street that push uh, shopping carts, that don't have a place to live, that have brown paper bags with that, with that liquor in it and so forth. I, I never imagined an alcoholic being a professional basketball player, a judge, a teacher, a lawyer, a preacher. I never envisioned that person being an alcoholic. So I didn't really have any clarity on what was an alcoholic. But what I do know is I did not like my mother once she started drinking. Once she started drinking, she was a totally different person 
than what she was when she wasn't drinking. And I used to see that transformation all the time, and it was very, very devastating, and it left us with a lot of high anxiety within the family. Mm. So here it is now, I'm thinking, I would never, ever do this to my children. There's no way I would have my children to uh, be in that situation. And so I thought, as I was doing the things that I was doing, that I was hiding this from my children, because they were so young. I used to drink at home occasionally, but most of the time I was drinking out. And I thought I was hiding all of my bottles and so forth because I used to put them high up in the cabinet. But when my son walked into the room one day and he had a picture of me in my Carolina blue uniform, and all around that picture he had cut out and he had pasted liquor bottles. And he gave it to me. He said, here, Dad, that's you. And when I saw that, I almost died. I mean, I literally, my heart began to pound and I began to, to, to cry like a baby when he walked out of the room because he was such an innocent gesture that he was giving to me and he thought that was great. Wow. Not knowing that he had really completely changed my whole life at that particular point. Because at this time, again, I did not have a, any understanding of this faith walk with Jesus Christ. All, most of the time I had been pretending, I had been going through life, I had been doing some reading, but there was no clarity for me. And so at that point, I knew that I had a problem. And what I did was I drove to Atlanta, Georgia, and I checked myself into a rehab center. And I stayed in that rehab center for 21 days. And on the 21st day that I was in that rehab center, I was outside and I was jogging around the parking lot. And I had gained a lot of weight and I wasn't physically real healthy at that particular time. So as I was jogging around the parking lot, I began to reflect back on my life, especially my childhood. I began to reflect back on my grandmother. I began to reflect back on my family members, the ones who had given me so much love. And I began to cry and I began to weep like a baby. And I didn't know why I was doing this. I began to cry and I began to weep like a baby. I cried out because something that my grandmother had said to me. She told me, and I remember those words so clearly. She said, I don't care where you go in life. I don't care what happened to you. Jesus loves you. And you can always call on Jesus. And when, she, when that came to my remembrance, I began to say, Jesus, help me. I just said, Jesus, help me. I said, I've messed up my life, and I don't know what I'm going to do from this point. I just need for you to help me, Jesus. Help me. Help me, Lord. Help me. And Al, let me just interject here for our listeners, because we're running short of time. At that moment, you made a decision that you were going to follow Jesus. You went to a bookstore. You got a Bible. A lady there said, if you want to know how to read the Bible, start in Genesis, go to Revelation, and pick up a commentary while you're at it. You did that. You went to Europe, and for six months, you read the Bible backwards and forwards, the commentary, and you said to me, Al, that the word Word of God literally changed your life. You then understood and knew what it meant to be a born-again Christian, what this life of being a Christian was all about. So in our remaining moments, let's talk about what you're doing now as a motivational speaker all around this country. Tell us the rest of the story. Well, yes, what you just mentioned is so true. I went back to Europe. I went to France this particular time. And I had a lot of time on my hands, so I began to read, and I began to read, and I began to read. So I read the Bible. I had a uh, New King James Version, and I, I, I read it from Genesis to Revelation. 
I read the commentary with it, and then my whole world opened up at this point because now I had some clarity and I had some understanding. Well, reading the Word of God really changed my life. In fact, what I'm doing right now is a result of reading that Word. And what I do is I go around the country and I go all over. I go into prisons. I go to high schools. I go to youth groups. I go to anywhere anybody will invite me. And I just let them know just how much inviting Jesus into your life can completely change you. And as a result of that, lives are being changed. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to nationally acclaimed NBA Georgia Sports Hall of Famer, former All-American and Olympian, and now pastor of men's ministry, mentor, and motivational speaker, Al Wood. You can learn more about Al's work, ministry, and mission by going to MorningStarMinistries.org and invite Al to speak by emailing him at alwood.org. To speak, that's the number two at gmail.com. Al, your incredible work, outreach, and life giving mentorship in the prisons, our churches, team focused youth camps, and charities is restoring youth without fathers, men without a mission, and kids without a dream to victory and vision. What you never had as a child growing up, you now have as a king's kid from your heavenly father. And it's that Jesus, the greatest mentor of all, you so beautifully represent. We thank you and God bless you. Thank you so much. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensine Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.